was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. The tiny ship was tossing. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The minnow would be lost. The ship's aground on the shore of this uncharted desert island with Gilligan, a skipper too. Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. <risa> Bienvenidos, empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa. Y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. All right, Matt. Can you name the seven potential first round picks on defense the Packers have that would maybe starting this year? Seven first round picks on defense. Okay, so Jair, Stokes, Walker, Wyatt, Clark, Gary. Same year as Gary. Oh, Savage. You know, I was thinking of him as like a second rounder, and I was thinking, was Amos a first rounder? Right. Savage. Right. Seven players. I was looking at that, and I found that pretty astounding, man. You know, I know we don't invest a lot in the offensive side of the ball, but again, like you've always said, defense wins championships, right? So... I find it really interesting that that's the way we've been going the last seven years, man. Well, six years, right? Because really Gary and Savage came up in the same year. But I found that just really interesting, dude, that the reason this defense is where it is well, is that we've been hitting on our first-round picks on top of that. Not just that they are first-round picks, that we're hitting on these. Well, since 2010, right? Even 2010, we got uh, B.J. Raj and Clay Matthews. Generally, the uh, the safe bet, the the safe first round pick, is defense, and that's the one you should go with. They can uh, easily play right away. Do you think that's why the Packers have such a tendency to be picking defense in the first round? Because you know, first round picks are usually what maybe 50, 50, 60, 40 chance that they actually pan out, and I guess it must be higher on defense than it is on offense. Well, all the good offensive players are taken in the first fifteen picks right i mean it it 
look at all our wide receivers that we wanted. They were all gone by what, 13 or 14, even though we got to about eight or nine before the first one was actually taken. And then it was a run and it happens every year when you pick 28 or 26 or 29 or 30 defense is generally top of the board and it's a safe pick. I mean, I don't like to call it a first round pick when it's 29. I'd like to call it a very early second round. Because the next time you pick again is basically third round, right? Like it, it, it's so far and everybody, oh, why don't we get a, well, because all the good ones are taken in the first 10, 12, 15 picks. That's why we don't get a, a right? And then we've been doing all right without a, right? We, we do pretty good without a. So as much as, you know, woulda, shoulda, couldas, maybe ifs and buts. And if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. It's it's been working pretty good. I mean, it's only been working well since 1992. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. There's just a lot of this at least. And the reason I went down this road is I just started seeing a lot of recognition of the Packers defense by media, which always scares me, obviously, because once one person says it, then everybody jumps on and everybody's saying it. And then we have to come back down to earth with our analysis of this because yeah, on paper, and we've been excited about this, but until we see the final product and what Joe Barry's going to be doing in his second year with this defense, then we'll know. I'm more excited about what this offense is going to look like. The defense seems like we've already seen it, right? I mean, the problem is, and I like the fact that Mr. Froelich uh, mentioned it, and it's something we talk about. It's what can go wrong with this defense? And it's even last year with the defense that we had as stacked as it was allowed 4.7 yards a carry. And it looks like we short up the middle of the defense and that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to stop the run. That's the defense that we play though. It's a three, four defense, right? That's the base. If we played a four, three defense, we would give up less on the run, but our yards per catch would go up slightly. It's the balancing game. It's the chess match. Move one piece over here, right? I mean, everybody sits there and I would drop a fantastic defense on the on the uh, chalkboard and our guys would go through it. And this is what you're supposed to do. And we'll call this one Jets three right go. And we got it all lined up. And then the offensive coordinator would come by afterwards and go, oh, I just run this, this and this. I'm like, yeah, it's easy when you get to see it. I said, now you draw your offense and I'll take the piece of chalk afterwards and show you exactly how I destroy it. The guy with the pen last is always going to win that argument, right? Yeah, it's, the pit's it's a, mightier. It's about guessing their tendencies. It's just about taking away their strengths. It's, and it's about dictating. And our defense is starting to dictate. If we remember during the first six, seven games of the year, we were screaming for more pressure, dial up more pressure. This isn't enough pressure. We need more pressure. Now we've got Devontae Wyatt. Now we've got Walker. Now we've got Stokes Jair out there on either side with, with uh, Razul Douglas in the middle. Now we can start leaving those guys out on an island. We can start leaving Jair and them out on the island and bring in six, seven on a blitz. We were only seeing, I mean, you have to remember when we watched that 49ers game, we were watching a four man rush four man against their five plus a fullback or running back blocking or the tight end chipping. And we were getting home. Now imagine that's with five or six, mm -hmm. right? We're going to tear some, some quarterbacks, a new one this year. Yeah, with some fresh legs rotating through there. And again, I was looking at this seven defensive linemen legit that we've got right now. And like you said, we probably have to hit that nine range probably. And I think that's why they waved Kurt, you know, just 
kudos to the guy for being such a good sport, being such a good guy. Obviously, we're only going to carry two quarterbacks into the season on the 53, and they've already decided where they're going with this. You know, I know last year they cut him and re-signed him. I don't think that's going to happen this year because they're going to fill up that practice squad because a lot of the same rules from COVID with the additional practice squad players that they have, they're going to focus on putting those defensive players and those offensive linemen that we need, because that was really our Achilles heel last year, right? The offensive line when Bach was out and Yash was not put in there in the makeshift offensive line that we ended up doing, I have a feeling they're going to focus on offensive line and our defensive line to fill in those additional roster spots, even though they won't make the 53, right? This, this uh, frees a tiny little bit of money up. It frees up a more important roster spot. I get the move. Don't like the move, but you know what? I, there's lots of moves that they make that I absolutely hate, and it turns out to be a great one. So what the hell do I know? But wish Kurt the best. Maybe he comes back in some capacity. Maybe he's able to come back onto our practice squad. Maybe ifs, ends, or buts, candy and nuts, ifs, woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? But I think you're right. They're going to save those spots for more wide receivers. I think that the wide receiver group is on a short leash this year. And if they don't start producing, they're going to start sitting. And we're going to start seeing different wide receivers come through there like we saw the corners, right? I mean, Goot is very quick to pull the trigger and go, well, no, this guy isn't doing it. Let's bring in another guy. Let's bring in another guy. Let's bring in another guy until all of a sudden it works. Plug and play, plug and play. I think that's what they're going to do with the wide receiver group. I think the wide receiver group, as much as some of them are getting comfortable and some of them are, you know, penciling themselves in already on the roster. I think if you don't start producing, you start producing drops that you'll be gone rather quickly that Aaron won't put up with it. Neither will Goot and anybody else. Right. Even if your name is, Christian Watson, even if your name is, you know, Randall Cobb. Now, I don't think either of those guys are going to have any issues. I think what we're looking at is, is down the line a little bit more, right? I think Amari Rogers on the bubble, Winfrey, Taylor, bubble, bubble, right? Torre, bubble, right? Even Dobbs, as sharp as he looks, if he goes out there and just starts laying eggs, bubble, Right. How many like, times have we seen these darlings in the preseason and in training camp that come come game time don't display the same level of he's of a practice talent. player. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just I thought about this too because I didn't think they were gonna add a wide receiver at some point. I'm just like, no, I don't think they're gonna spend their money there. But I started thinking about it and it's gonna be a mid you know, mid-season addition at some point, just like we did with Douglas, just like we did with Campbell. If, Like you said, if it's not working out with these wide receivers, I do think that we're going to see maybe a Julio Jones come in at that point because he's going to be super cheap. Look, his market is already dictated where he is, right? If he was who he, who was, he hasn't even gone in for, I started looking for information on him. He hasn't even been showing up to people's facilities to try out at this point. So people are sitting back and get him on the cheap. He wants to come. He can come to the Packers and try to win a championship. Maybe that's where we get a Julio Jones, but it won't be until week three or four, unless there's injuries, right, to other players in other places. I don't think OPJ is going to be an option because he might not even play this year um, as late as he got hurt. And I know people like him. And I'm not a critic of his play. I'm a critic of how he is, right? Like his attitude and just the way he is. He's kind of a weird bird, kind of like, not, I guess not Antonio Brown, because Antonio Brown's just on another level. But the dude can ball. Like, when you look at him when he's out there, he did 
he was having a fantastic game in the Super Bowl when he hurt himself. But I don't think a guy that's going to come in and possibly play for us towards the end of the season will be somebody we pick up. But I, I do think we'll bring in a vet. Hell, dude, give me Cole Beasley, bro. You know, like give me one of those sure-handed guys. We don't need another slot. Well, we need, we need an outside. Deshaun Jackson, right? I mean, there, Deshaun Jackson wouldn't be bad. We're yeah. gonna have to see how Sammy Watkins plays, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Stanley looks really, really good. He looks like his old self. Now, does he stay healthy? Does he stay off the injury list? Does he go out there, catch one ball, get hit, and then we don't see him again for eight weeks? So I think that's why they've got a couple of roster spots they haven't filled just yet because they're mm-hmm. going to start cranking it up and they're going to start seeing who shakes off. And Watkins might be one of the guys that shakes off. You know, Funch has uh, signed... Sponge is signed with the Lions. He's gone. Right? Crazy. I mean, when you look at the lists out there, there's some guys that are okay, but nothing that jumps out. Nothing that makes you go, hey, this is that guy we got to have. Right? Right. Everybody that that is, hey, this is that guy we got to have, they're already signed. Now, there's some talk that uh, Waller is going to come to Green Bay. There's a blockbuster trade. Still talking about that? Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. They're not getting rid of Waller. Why? Just because they got Adams? We know what it's like not to have a tight end. They need a tight end. Waller's a great tight end. Now, the Waller stays. Waller's staying. Don't forget, they lost their number one and they lost their number two, the uh, Raiders. Mm-hmm. Both of them, I think, to DUI, right? Like, something terrible. So, I think uh, Waller stays... If anything, you know, this situation in Washington with McLaurin is starting to look interesting. McLaurin and even DK, and I don't like DK for our team, but he's he's a big boy. He's a big target, which is a lot of what Aaron Rodgers likes to see. That's why they like those big guys that can DK can run three routes and that's it. Yeah, but if he can block, bro, you know, that's the way I look at it with these big oh. guys, but he's not willing to do that. And when you look at the tape, that's the problem. But look, somebody that they're going to bring in is going to be willing to buy into what we're wanting to do with with our offense. The the big linchpin that I'm thinking about, and it's not that wide receiver isn't critically important with everything going on because there's so many unknowns, but I, I truly believe that either Tanyan or DeGuara are going to need to step up because we play oh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of 12, obviously 30% Both of, of the time. Both of them. If DeGuara goes out there and starts dropping balls that hit him in the middle while he's wide open, right in the fucking hands, get rid of him. I can show up. And Tyler Davis. I can guarantee you, I will show up and drop every ball thrown at me for half that money. Oh, for sure. Right? Like, yeah. come on. So I think the tight end situation is something I want to be looking at heading into training camp as well. And then Elise Mack, we didn't hear a lot about him, but he's been tweeting out. He's been pretty active. Like he, there's something there with him. We've got a lot of those pet players, those kind of journeyman players that have been jumping like Sammy Watkins, uh, Elise Mack that have something to prove. And something that I liked about Watkins that he brought up finishing up with the mini camp was that he was extremely impressed with the training staff and how they changed his regiment. They've made him start doing yoga. They made him lose 10 pounds. You know, they're giving him a lighter frame to keep the weight off of, off of his body, to keep him healthy. And he says he feels better than he ever has Hell, dude, He was, people forget he was the fourth overall pick at one point. So the talent's there now, again, can he stay healthy, but it's the same thing with all these guys. He ever had a decent quarterback, right? Yeah. 
Right. I mean, now now we're really going to see it, aren't we? I mean, Devontae's going to go to Oakland and Devontae's going to get his catches. His numbers won't look anything like Aaron Rodgers force feeding him the ball numbers, but he'll he'll get his he'll get his catches. He's not going to go to any playoff game. There's no way they come out of that division. New way. Chargers and the Chiefs and and Denver with Russell Wilson. Come on, man. That's got to be toughest division in the league right now. There's no way. Raiders come out on top of that unless something happens to one of the other three teams where there's a dramatic injury or doping. I don't think Kansas City has done enough to win that division, just like with the Billsers. Like when you look at the Chargers, the Chargers have done a fantastic job, right? Loading up on defense and on offense, they were already set. They brought back Mike Williams, who's, I think, an underrated wide receiver. That division is going to be tough, and I agree with you. But Kansas City, for me, um, it's it has remnants of 2018-2019 Packers where, you know, Mahomes being Mahomes is a great quarterback, but his great, just like Roger said, yeah, my, you know, my bad year is better than most everybody's careers. I see Mahomes in that light, and they haven't really – they did not address the offensive line. I mean, bringing in MBS, what, he's going to be the one? No, it's not going to be he's the one. Travis Kelsey's going to be the one. Who else are they going to throw to? You know, they. so I think it might be the Chargers in that division um, that are probably going to come out because I trust Herbert on the same level as I do Mahomes after seeing him play and seeing what he's done the last few years because he's he didn't look clean against us. I mean, hell, Jordan Love scored higher than he did and actually outplayed Mahomes in that game. Like as much as people want to criticize Love, and I know the game plan had a lot to do with it, and Love's probably not ready. I don't know if he's ever going to be ready. But in that game that we got to see him, he played better than Mahomes. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's probably not going to be um, the Raiders. I, I think it's going to be the Chargers. But then again, the Chargers know how to charge, right? They're just like the Lions. They just They're right on the cusp, and then they just shit the bed. You know, I do want to touch upon that. My off years are better than most guys' career years. Yes, most guys in their career, though, don't make $125 million. So your off years should be better than anyone else's career years because they are only making $8 million and you are making $125 million. It's called getting what you paid for. Okay? God, I hate that. It's like, it's like well, I'm only awake when the sun's up. Great, great stat. Great. Yeah, most of us are all awake during this, unless you work the night shift. You know, like, come on. My off years are better than, yeah, most guys are making six million bucks a year. How much are you making? Uh, 53 million. Your fucking off years should be incredible compared to the guy that's making six million dollars a year. Okay. Incredible. <laughs> all right. Here's, here's another question for you. So, is he going to become a warlock at some point during the season? Who? Aaron Rodgers, since he's dating a witch, and you know, I have the 10, I'm the one who is called that he takes on the personality of his girlfriend. So he's dating a witch, a self-proclaimed witch right now. So do you think he's going to become a warlock at some point? I, you know what? I don't care who he's dating. <laughs> I don't care. I, mean, hilarious, I don't care. Oh, I don't man. care. I don't care if he was dating uh, a sectional couch. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, half of what he has to say, this you have to understand when you make as much money as these people make and for dozens of years, people tell you you're the greatest person on the planet, your perception of reality changes. Okay. 
You don't think to yourself, oh, I wonder if I can pay my electric bill this month. You think to yourself, how many Maseratis can I crash this week and write off as a tax break? Okay, they live in a different fantasy world. So he wants to date the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. You better get your ass out there on Sunday. I better see $56 million worth of hoo-hoo. I better. He may repeat as an MVP with this team in the offensive weapons. If he's able to pull this offense and bring it back to where it was post or, you know, with Devontae Adams and do it post Devontae Adams and, and even come close to the numbers that he's had the last two years, he might go back to back to back MVP. Okay, so let's say he does it. Does Matt LaFleur win coach of the year? No. Because he has Aaron Rodgers. Because it's kind of the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady syndrome where they're kind of tied at the hip. And the problem is that Tom Brady kind of disproved that, didn't he? Because he went to another team and won a Super Bowl the following year while the the Patriots continue to flounder the last few years and they're not who they're supposed to be. Why? Because I don't know. They looked all right last year at the end of the year. They looked all right at the end of the year. They were starting to come on. They can get a little decent quarterback play out of that kid, and I think they get right back to the division. Their also problem is is that they're playing in the division now against a red-hot Bills team and Josh Allen and Diggs and that defense. I mean, no wonder Tom Brady wanted out of there, and he's like, where am I going to go? Oh, the shittiest division in the league. Uh, It's either the Saints, the Bucs, or who cares or who cares? Yeah, I'm in, right? Yeah. I mean, he didn't go to the AFC, uh, the Denver Broncos. He didn't go to the Lions or the Vikings. He's from Michigan. He didn't go to any of those, right? No. He went to Tampa because that whole division was crap. No, nobody's going to be winning that division other than Tampa for the next couple of years. It's going to be just like he should have gone to Philadelphia or even the Giants or, or you know, he'd have completely dominated that division as well. Stayed on the same coast. Nah, it's a smart, it's a, it was a smart choice by him. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong with my Tom Brady hate. You win seven Super Bowls, so you got to be pretty freaking good. Yeah, there's respect and there's also hate, right? Like, yeah. That- and I did start to like him a little bit more once he left uh, the Patriots until he decided to to beat us in the playoffs. And then I went back to hating him again. But the dude, the dude does it the right way. And I think Aaron Rodgers, in his in his defense, does things the way that he's going to do them. It might not. Where be- would he have gone? Where would Aaron Rodgers have gone that the division was easier for him? Maybe gone to the Colts. It, against Baltimore. Yeah. And, and all of those guys in that division there with who is that uh, Cincinnati and uh, 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 Baltimore, Cincinnati and Steelers. Uh, and Steelers. He ain't going there. No way. He ain't going there. No way. He needs a pretty good team to get out of that. Second division. That division is the punchy in the face division. Each one of those teams, they may not have great talent. They just keep punching you in the face until you won't get up no more. That's how they play. And Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is going to be the quarterback of that division for the next 15 bloody years. They got him a new offensive line this year. Oh, you don't think it's going to be Mitch Trubersky? Listen, <laughs> Mitch is gitch, right? Mitch is gitch, okay? No, no, no. It's it's it, The Bears ruined Mitch Gitsky. The, the Joe Burrow and the Bengals, I'm calling it right now. What's the date today? What's the date today? It is June 20th. 2022 at 4.35 p.m. CST. That's Central Standard Time. The Bengals are going back to the Super Bowl. 
Hi, I'm Amy. I'm from Wichita, Kansas. I'm Alex Brown from the Derby City, Louisville, Kentucky. This is Alyssa from Los Angeles. All right, I'm Andy from Sheffield. This is Chris from Nova Scotia. Hey, this is Aaron Alice from Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, everybody. This is Hilmi from Turkey. I am Carla from California. G'day, this is Mel from Melbourne, Australia. This is Mick coming from Granger, Indiana. This is Soren Stortigan coming to you from Sweden. And this is Packers Without Borders. This is Packers Without Borders. Packers Without Borders. Packers Without Borders. Listen to Two Losers on Packers Without Borders. Thank you for listening to Packers Without Borders. You can catch us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on patreon.com front slash Packers Without Borders for some exclusive content behind the scenes. Check out our merchandise on Tee Public Packers Without Borders. Peace. Go Pack Go. Let let it slip, let the rhythm rip while my lyrics leave my lips. Ladies and gentlemen, kids of all ages, watch the brother growing on stages. Packers without borders. 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 The greatest podcast on the planet. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They got they got Joe Burrow on offensive line. They still got Mixon. They got Chase. They got Wiggle. They got the defense. They're going straight back. Straight back. Can you imagine Joe Burrow with a little bit of time? I mean, that guy was sacked what sixty-four times in two games or something stupid like that. It was ridiculous, right? Actually, I'm gonna look that up because I'm curious to see how many times this poor dude was on his ass. Remember, he was, he played against Tennessee. I think it was like nine times he was sacked against Tennessee, and then the next game he was sacked only like six times. And they're like, "Oh, they're tightening up." And then against the Rams, he was sacked seven times in the first half, and they still almost won that game. If you sack the quarterback seven times in the first half, the score should be 160 to zero. You should be crushing them into oblivion. Dude, he was sacked 70 times, third most ever. 3.19 times per game. He was getting fucking demolished. It's in there. 64, 70, 70. I'm, I must have forgot a half of a game. Yeah. He was just smoked. It was like every, it was like this was their play call. Okay. First down, hand it off. Second down, take the sack. Third down, throw it deep to chase. First yeah. down, hand it off. Second down, take the sack. Right? Like, it was in their game plan. It happened so often, you thought that this is what they designed this for, right? Yeah. Poor yep. Joe Burrow. And the guy tears his knee the year before, and they do nothing to that offensive line. Now they do it because he gets them to the Super Bowl, and the team goes, holy crap, wait a second. If he wasn't sacked uh, 38.9 times a minute, we, we might win this game. Wait a minute. Oh, Scooby-Doo. He was, he was on pace. He was at 32 sacks the year before he got hurt. 32 sacks and then 70 and sacks. And that was in like two games too. That's yeah. the worst part. And, and it's important. And, and the reason I'm making this reference and we're talking about this is because Aaron Rodgers under pressure is not very good. Nope. So, I mean, there there is a big dip in terms of his performance when he doesn't have I think, the I think that goes away this year. I think it goes away this year. I think those sacks – 
those remember when we watch a sack and then we circle this guy's open this guy's open this guy's open mm-hmm. i think 90 percent of those all go away so you think all he's gonna stop doing so much hero ball and maybe just look at that first or second just read like and that first away. year just like, like that first year he won the mvp with lafleur when he was just like remember jones was getting balls like jones was balling out we get to the next year and he's like i'm gonna give all those throws to adams Go back to Jones. What was wrong with having Jones take you to the playoffs? I don't know. We paid him $48 million. And then and then we don't do anything. Aaron, use your head. You can play till you're 60. Give it to Jones until his legs can't move anymore. Then give it to Dylan. Yeah. Oh. Just dink and dunk. Yeah, it might be. That's something that, you know what? You're right. Because in 2020, what he did was take that first read, and if it wasn't there, he was throwing it away, and everybody was complaining about him throwing it away to save his inter- interception percentage for his career. And a lot of it is, well, guess what? I'd much rather see that than have him take a sack, a timely sack that puts us in a third and 14 as opposed to like because, a third and two, you know. And Because sometimes when Aaron takes a sack, he doesn't get back up. Right. Yeah. I'd okay. much rather watch him throw it away, Right. But then you get these people, well, you see, Matt, uh, what happened to Brett Favre? He used to throw an awful lot of interceptions. I know he used to throw a lot of interceptions. He used to be able to outthrow the punt coverage. So on third and 15, it was 9-9-9, and he'd throw the seam. And you know what? If they caught it, it was a touchdown. He was a hero. And if they intercepted it, he threw it further than the punt, and they would have tackled him anyway. I, I, don't, I don't get why everybody's okay with him taking a sack on third down. Huck that thing. Get it going. Throw it in there. Let those guys, you know, let them make a move. Yeah, it's not like it's not like he's not afraid to see throw the ball in there and throw it in the seam and into little tight windows. And hopefully those guys are in that spot, right? Hopefully that these guys are able to get open and take a nice long bomb down the sideline with Sammy Watkins, if not just fit it into a window with Alan Lazard, who finally signed his tender, thank, thankfully. I, I think we'll get some sort of information on what had him holding out. I I don't know if it was money or if it had something to do with, you know what, as long as he didn't sign his contract, he didn't have to show up. So he just needed some personal time. He needed to do his thing. So let's see. I mean, it's there's a lot of weapons there for Aaron Rodgers to throow to. He's either going to be – the hero or the goat again, right? Because there's a lot more pressure on him to perform without Devontae Adams. And I think there is on Derek Carr to have to perform with um, Adams in, in his pocket. Now, this this is where maybe it's going to define a little bit of Aaron Rodgers' legacy in terms of who is he as a quarterback, right? Was just like they say, was it Devontae Adams so was it Devontae Adams that made uh, Aaron Rodgers or was it Aaron Rodgers that made Devontae Adams? This year is going to be very telling for that, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. We're going to find out right away. Christian Watson, let's see his numbers. Let's let's see how everything gets uh, uh, worked out in the mix here. I'm curious. I, I don't know. I don't know much. <laughs> I think I love you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know what? It's going to be an interesting year. Father's Day. What'd you do for Father's Day, man? Uh, Drove eight hours or so, but had to 
veer off from Puerto Peñasco up to Tempe to stop off at Ikea and purchased stuff for my kids' bedrooms and loaded up a big old truck. And of course, there's 50 mile, 60 mile an hour winds on the highway with a loaded truck of boxes. And then we had to put some stuff on the top and had to pull over a couple of times because as strapped down as stuff was, so it was, it was a nice slow drive home on Father's Day. That's that, that was Father's Day. It was driving home with the girls loaded up and they're just trying to get home safely. Nice. Yeah, no, it was nice. great. The weekend leading up to it. I mean, Sunday was one thing, but um, being out, you know, just it was really nice going out to the beach, sitting on sitting poolside, having a good time, enjoying the girls. It was a lot of fun, dude. It's it's always it's always relaxing and nice to just have the girls lay around and lay too too long in the sun and all not be able to walk around because they haven't learned to stay in the shade because they all want to get tanned and <laughs> they were all like you couldn't touch anybody at all because everybody was like bright red for a little while because they were out in the sun so long. So it was, it was a lot of fun, man. It was just kicking back, enjoying doing whatever I wanted. I got to play some golf on a Saturday morning at the golf course out there and played pretty good in those strong winds. It was fun. It was just, I got to do what I wanted to do, man. Spend time with the family. You? Um, I, I got the MGM channel. And I watched Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, Hang 'em High, Diablo, which was Clint Eastwood's son, Scott Eastwood, in a Western movie. It's okay. Nah, it was okay. And, uh, oh, and The Pink Panther. I watched that with Jacques Lousteau. Keto! <laughs> Wait, so The Pink Panther with Steve Martin? No, Jacques Lousteau. Oh, I... I love the Steve Martin. It, that that one's good. The the old ones are. Ah oh yes, uh, it's all coming back to me now. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Does your dog bite? No, my dog doesn't. Oh, it's such a nice dog. <laughs> I thought you said your dog didn't bite. But that's not my dog. <laughs> <laughs> so you did a little marathon. Just kind of kick back. You didn't have to smoke any brisket or anything like that you just got to kick back and relax i uh had a about two and a half hours worth of naps on the couch it was uh so it was 47 degrees yesterday so uh, those of you in the states are using fahrenheit uh that's like 115 degrees fahrenheit and uh i sat under a blanket with my air conditioning on <laughs> and I was like, I am not going outside. I don't give a shit. <laughs> right. And then today, today wasn't too bad. It was 38 degrees. So that's like 95, maybe 94 degrees Fahrenheit. It's the humidity. That's what's going to get you. So like this morning when I went out to the truck, it was already 30 degrees at seven in the morning. That's so crazy. And here it's, it's nice. We got a, a big old rainstorm last night. Like once we start getting into July, that's our monsoon season because it gets just it gets so hot. Eventually, like, you know, the desert says, all right, feed me. I need some water. We got a pretty good thunderstorm last night. We're supposed to get it's actually cloudy and dark outside. We're supposed to get some more more rain these next couple of days. So we're at I think we were at twenty nine today oh yeah oh that's oh yeah, yeah it's nice no we've we've got a huge thunderstorm coming in it's going to be one of those prairie specials where uh the whole sky well you know right you, there's no mountains there's no nothing it's just all sky 
and for miles, tens of miles, we can see all the lightning and everything. It's going to be fantastic. We are uh, uh, looking to uh, sell our uh, current house. Uh, we have been looking at a, a couple of other houses. Uh, we were looking at some uh, just outside of town, maybe something, a couple, two, three acres, something, you know, nothing that I that I couldn't take care of. Yeah. But, you know. Well, you do have a landscaping business. I probably could do as high as like 10 acres, but I think that's just too much. Like, you know, I, I, I think five is like my limit because then a little writing lawnmower and a, you know, and a beer and 45 minutes later, you're kind of out of there. So that's not so bad, but, uh, our real you know, estate my buddy, agent, oh. my buddy lived in Abilene and kind of similar landscape to, to Oak Bank. So and that, you know, it's a lot of farmland and, and just wide open spaces, pretty flat. And one of the things he had, he had 10 acres of land and the whole back part, obviously he's got what he's got plant on top of what he plants and what he does, right? He does alfalfa and different things like that, but he had what he called his, his yard, right? So he had a lot of it that was just kind of overgrown with trees and everything that he had, but the front of his house and the sides of his house and a pretty good chunk of his backyard was what he called his lawn. And that's where he had the really nice grass that he would cut with landscaping and trees and bushes and plants and the rest of it outside of that was pretty, pretty unkept, but he kind of kept it natural where he could look off the, off the balcony and just kind of kick back. So when you're talking about your 10 acres, you're saying you will actually keep all 10 acres, just pristine and, and landscaped. I'm thinking about maybe a couple of golf holes. <laughs> I would put in a couple of golf holes. Seriously. Yeah. I'm thinking, cause I've kind of drawn it up and it's like, maybe I could do like off my back deck and do a, a five and then come back with two threes. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I could do a four and a four and a three. You know what I mean? Like some kind of, it would depend on the size and the, and the lay, layout map. But I think I could probably squeeze in a couple, two, three, maybe even four golf holes in uh, like 10 acres, five acres. I think I could easily go, a one you know a three or four out and a three or four back in right just two two nice holes kind of right in the middle of the property i would love to design my own little golf course and i'll tell you i would uh it, it would be killer so one of the things <laughs> they have out here um because there's one place out here called painted dunes that has three nine hole golf courses right so it's, it's basically 18 holes, but you can kind of mix it up. So that's what you do it. And one of the things that the, the, the guy who designed the course that I met, man, that's a long time ago. I met him, but I, he was explaining to me cause he was going to, he was going to try to build a little part three course. And he says, you really only need three greens for nine holes. And what you do is you have your three greens and you'll, you'll put two flags on it. You'll have one on one side, one on another to change it up. But then what he would do is when you come in from that side, you would hit that hole and then you'd walk over and he would cross over. So you could actually hit to the greens from three, from nine different places. So you only had three greens, but you were hitting it from different places. So yeah. it was always a different hole, but it was actually only three greens. And he said, it's a lot less cheap to maintain. Cause he says that the greens are always the hardest thing to maintain. He's like, yeah, fairways and that stuff, you know, you put in whatever type of grass you want to use. Like obviously they use Bermuda here. Um, for that but he just said just have three greens and just have different points of where to shoot from and you'll have nine different holes so see and and my real estate agent and this is why we use our real estate agent started to help me think outside the box a little bit and there's a handful of houses here in town 
that uh, back out onto um, farmland that'll always be farmland Mm -hmm. you know unless the guy decides to sell or whatever but one of them is a farm that's been here for something like over 200 years like and those people are in their late 20s that just took it over from mom and dad and they're going to be there you know long enough that i won't have to worry about they're grandfathered into water rights and all that type of stuff oh yeah right so they're 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 a generational farm and uh like some of them have got really nice pools and hot tubs and and they were built in the last 10 years. So they're all brand new features and stuff. And as much as I'm like, I can rough, I mean, fuck, I can go in an outhouse. I don't give a shit, right? There's something to be said about the steam shower option in my bathroom. You know what I mean? There's something to be said about, you know, Wi-Fi and pizza delivery. You know what I mean? Yeah, being Yeah. You know, I mean, you've been here, right? Like we've got everything in town. We had food delivered in 20, 30 minutes. Like, right. Like it's, we're not really out in the country. We're like a suburb just outside the city, right? There's pizza hut here. I mean, there's everything here going outside the city is going outside the city. Like the power could go out for three or four days. There's no pizza delivery. You know, you can get Wi-Fi, but it's expensive to get it set up. Right. Like, so I don't know. We're kind of uh, on the fence. I'm kind of leaning towards those newer properties. One of them, man, she showed me one of them was six bedroom, three car garage. I was like, fuck, how rich do you think I am? And then she showed me the price. I was like, I can actually afford this. Wait a minute. How rich am I? <laughs> yeah, well, there's, you know, certain areas and I've always been a fixer upper kind of guy. We've had a chance to buy, like we looked at new houses that we liked and ultimately we ended up getting like the good structures of the houses, you know, a lot of times the newer stuff is made out of basically two by fours, plywood and like drywall. Right. And you can like actually punch a hole through your, the outside of your house and reach into your living room. Well, not, not here. No, a lot of here we have about a foot and a half of insulation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of houses that they cut not, and that's just not just in El Paso, but that's everywhere. And we started looking at some newer houses and ultimately we've always kind of settled in on the older houses that have an older structure. The problem is that what I realized with older houses and I'm sure with yours too, is once the houses settle, there's a point with the house where you have to fix, it's not fixing the foundation, but everything settles in. So we had some water coming into the house at one point that we needed to fix. And that's the only problem with older houses. Like you can fix them, but most of the time when people are getting rid of an older house is because they're painting over the issues that you need to fix that they didn't tell you about that the inspector doesn't catch. Right. But I mean, ultimately you get a much more solid structure. And we've always been, God, dude, like my house now, I don't think I could ever get rid of it. You know, like even if I were to move or do anything like that, we'd probably end up just renting this house out and keeping it just because it's such a good house. So that's kind of the balance between a new house and having all the amenities or having an older house that has a better structure and then just adding what you want to add on to it. Cause also it's cheaper, right? Like newer houses are more expensive than an older house that you can kind of build to your but But this one that she showed me it's got a hot tub area and it's got like seven foot walls around it outside so you can get in that hot tub and get in that hot tub (laughs) (laughs) i just don't want to you know what i where we used to live the kids would swim in a pool. We had like, it was above ground. It was a four foot by 16 foot round. It was salt water, right? Oh, it's sort of similar to what you have, maybe a smaller version, right? And uh, 
the kids would get in and out of it. And it's not that big a deal. I get in it, in my shower, you know, I get in it in my, my, my terrible shorts or whatever. And I, who yeah. cares if the neighbors are looking, the neighbors are looking and then, you know, your wife starts to mention it, and then your daughter starts to get a little older and you start to go, wait a second. The last thing I want is weirdos peeping. Oh, you know, so now it's like, I maybe just a little bit more, hedges and cedars and lattice and uh, privacy when the kids are playing in and out of the pool if you don't mind you know i don't think anybody there's one wall remaining because the way that our house is set like from where the mountain is the guy obviously higher on the mountain and then it kind of works its way down so there's always high on the mountain there's like a (laughs) difference between one neighbor and the other so you're actually looking down towards the other neighbor's houses. And I've got everything covered up except that wall because I was stupid enough to to plant a pecan tree there. And apparently pecan trees, you plant for your grandkids. They grow so slow. So yeah. <laughs> the rest of it all- What about I, those potentillas? Did you get any of those potentillas? We couldn't cross any, remember? And we can't- Yeah, but them. they don't we're sell them in the on, States? No, we're gonna have to, we can get them on Amazon, but they don't have them here. Like in El Paso, you can't get potentillas in El Paso. That's crazy. They're like a desert shrub. Well, not, apparently not this desert. So yeah, it's weird. But we found, we found some on Amazon, some seeds that we're going to try out. But obviously right now is not the time in the middle of the summer where it hits 110 degrees to try to plant. Uh, Throw them in a couple of pots on your uh, window. Yeah. South facing window, right? It's yep. going to be a year before they're uh, plantable anyway. For sure. For sure. Uh, right on, man. We didn't have any mailbag questions this week. Uh, if you have any questions for us, don't forget to send them to us at Packers Without Borders at Outlook.com. That's all one word. Packers Without Borders at Outlook.com. Or you can DM us at, at Borders Packers on our Twitter page. Episode 125, Season 2 in the books. Season two, buddy. How crazy is that, man? It's been one year. It's been one hell of a ride. It's been kind of a weird last two podcasts because I was out of town for the one pod. And now today, just barely getting back into the groove of things and trying to, and I had work this morning and then family duties and trying to get this stuff done. So that's why we're a little bit late on the pod. That was my fault, not Matt's. Poor Matt was a... Always Bruce's fault. Oh, bullshit. Always. <laughs> right on, buddy. Right on. All right, peace. Go, Pack, go. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go, Pack, go. Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego.
Be strong, serve God only. Know that if you do, beautiful heaven awaits. That's the poem I wrote for the first time. I saw a man with no clothes, no money, no plate, Mr. Wendell. That's his name. No one ever knew his name, cause he's a no one. Never thought twice about spending on an old bum until I had a chance to really get to know one. Now that I know him, to give him money isn't charity. He gives me some knowledge, I buy him some shoes. And I think blacks spend all their money on big colleges. Still, most of y'all come out confused. Go ahead, Mr. Wendell. Mr. Wendell has freedom, a free that you and I think is dumb. Free to be without the worries of a quick to this society, for Mr. Wendell's a bum. His only worries are sickness and an occasional harassment by the police in their chase. Uncivilized, we call him, but I just saw him eat off the food we waste. Civilization, are we really civilized? Yes or no? Who are we to judge when thousands of innocent men can be brutally enslaved or killed over a racist grudge? Mr. Wendell has tried to warn us about our ways, but we don't hear him talk. Is it his? It's fault when we've gone too far and we got too far cause of him we've walked. Mr. Wendell, a man, a human in flesh, but not by law. I feed you dignity to stand with pride, realize that all in all you stand tall. Go ahead, Mr. Wendell.